<laughs> you thought that was a quick preach then, didn't you? <laughs> Who's that? Hi there, my name's Paul. Um, I'm one of the elders here at King's Church Hastings and I lead the team. And it's a great privilege to be kicking off the new year, a new decade. Can you believe it? Ten years have passed since, uh, since ten years ago. <laughs> and, um, and, and we're in a new decade, it's, it's a bit mad. Um, this has no relevance to what, what I'm going to talk about, but it made, it made me giggle and hopefully I'll do the same for you. Um, we, watched, we, as a family, got stuck into X Factor last term, and uh, uh, particular boys very much enjoyed it. I think one evening they had a Michael Jackson evening. Is that right? Anyone that watched it? Yeah? And there was a conversation going on in my household about who Michael Jackson is, or who he was, sorry. And um, Ethan, who's my uh, th- third, third son, said, isn't Michael Jackson the one that died on the cross? So... <laughs> So my, my training of my boys isn't going very well at the moment. Um, and I need to do a bit better. So please pray that I, I do that more effectively. You're in for a good preach today, I can tell. It'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. But I won't be talking about Michael Jackson at all. Um, I just wanted to kick off by saying, what a great Christmas event we had. Didn't it go well? I thought, I thought the choir were absolutely brilliant. I mean, there was only one thing missing from it, but other than that, it was, it was very, very good. Um, the band sounded great. The youth with the dance were excellent, weren't they? I just felt overall it was a really, really good event, and I just want to say thank you so much for all of you that were involved in one way or another. I thought it was, yeah, I was just really proud of the church. I thought it was really good. I thought as well it was a great turnout, considering the weather. I don't know if you can remember back to that day and how um, icy it was and uh, how dangerous it was to come out as well. I thought it was a, just overall, really just proud of the church, and what a great event, and thank you so much if you invited people. I felt it was, it was absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Um, some of you may have noticed as well, just a few little bits and pieces, that we've moved where the microphone goes for contributions. Has anyone noticed that? Yeah. We've popped it on the floor for a number of reasons, but one of the main reasons is just, um, because if you're a bit more timid... And the thought of coming up here is a bit more daunting. You may be willing to give it a go down there. And so we wanted to uh, move it down to the floor, make it a bit more accessible and uh, draw, draw everyone in. So hopefully that you'll find that um, helpful. If you are a church member, you are very, very welcome to contribute at the mic on a Sunday morning. Come and see myself or Matt or San, whoever it is that's sort of guarding the microphone. Share what you've got and we would love uh, for as many of you to be involved as we can make it work. Some of you may have heard as well, just a few, um, a little while ago, that Cyril Walters passed away. That's John Walters' dad. Um, a number of you would know him because uh, he did an alpha and he's been, he's been around with us as a church. And the family would just like to invite you to the funeral that will be at the crematorium this Tuesday at 11 o'clock. So if you knew John, um, so if you, if you knew Cyril, um, and you would like to uh, attend the funeral, you're very welcome um, to go along 11 o'clock at the crematorium on Tuesday. This morning, I'm going to kick off a new preaching series. It's called Encourage, 
and we'll be following the life of Barnabas. It's going to be a seven-week um, series. Very much looking forward to getting stuck into it. I'm not quite certain how it's going to go because I've got so many notes. And I've changed them about a dozen times in the last 24 hours. So I'm not quite certain what you'll get, but um, my hope is and my prayer is that God will bless me and enable me to preach concisely and effectively, and he will bless you, and that you will be encouraged and strengthened in your faith as we look to go on with God. So we're going to be looking at dynamic truths from an ordinary man, Barnabas. We felt as we were looking into what to preach this year, that I had a sense I'd like to focus on the whole theme of encouragement. We then had a men's prayer meeting just a few days later, um, where there was quite a strong prophetic word came about us being an encouraging church in the new year. And so I felt that really endorsed where we were looking to go. So I'm looking forward to see what God will do as we preach our way through this. Some of the things we're going to look at over the next few weeks, we're going to look at um, being like Barnabas, a man of faith and the spirit. Um, We're going to look at Barnabas encourages the disqualified. We're going to look at Barnabas is generous in his giving. And we'll touch on that in the scripture we're going to look at in a moment in the book of Acts. We're going to look as well at Barnabas is no walkover, but he's a courageous man. He fights when he needs to fight. And Barnabas makes mistakes like we do, but we have Jesus Christ who forgives our failures and can turn them around. This morning, my very humble ambition is to introduce Barnabas to you, uh, give you a bit of a background on who he is and what he was about, and then look at the whole... whole, um, Oh, my mind's gone blank. This isn't good. The, the The whole theme of encouragement, what it is, what it's about. Because I think some of us may not have the correct view of what encouragement is. And so my aim is to shape that view that you've got by what the Bible says about encouragement. And we'll see where we go as we finish. Apologies, we've got no um, PowerPoint this morning due to my technical difficulties. I was unable to get it together. But we have got a handout in your update that you can follow along with um, if you'd like to. Let's pray. I think that's a good place to start. Oh, Lord God. Lord, I thank you for this new year. Lord, I thank you for this brilliant church. Lord, I pray, would you bless us and do us good this year? I pray, would we know more seasons of your favour, more seasons of your blessing? Lord, I pray you'd bless us as individuals. I pray you'd keep providing for us with all of our needs. Lord, I ask as I preach this morning, please would you anoint me with your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that it would be effective and bring about your purposes. I ask you, Lord, that this morning we would be lively as a church in our hearts and our minds. That we would be quick to receive. Lord God, I pray, make these words live in our hearts. Would they be fruitful, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 4. And we're going to read a few verses out of that. This is the first time that we're introduced to Barnabas in the Bible. And it's a very modest beginning. Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 32. This was quite a season for the uh, early church. They just suffered um, their, the first persecution. People had gone after Peter and John. And Peter and John had returned and they prayed that they'd be filled with the Holy Spirit and enabled to speak the word with boldness. 
And these are the verses on the back of that. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was on them all. There was no needy person among them, for from time to time, those who owned lands and houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and put it at the apostles' feet. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, and brought the rest, and put it at the apostles' feet. So let me tell you just a little bit about Barnabas, what we know from this and later verses. First thing we know about Barnabas is he's a man that came from Cyprus. A nice holiday destination today, isn't it? He came from Cyprus. He was a Levite. I don't think that has any particular relevance other than to say that he was an Israelite. Um, He owned property. We know that because later on he sold some. But he was originally called Joseph. His name wasn't originally Barnabas. It was Joseph. Barnabas was the nickname that the apostles or the church leaders in Jerusalem gave him because of how he lived his life. Let me ask you a question. What nickname would you have from those that know you best? What what would you be called? Put your hand up if you think you might be called son or daughter of encouragement. Oh, Carl, you can't all be, I don't believe you're all that modest. But interesting, what what would you, because it wasn't, Barnabas wasn't the name that he was was sort sort of given at birth. It was actually the nickname people gave, you know, the apostles gave him because of how he lived his life, because he was an encourager. And at the start of this year, I just thought it'd be interesting. You know, what nickname would you get? I won't, I mean, when you're at home, you know, if you're married or, or your children are here, ask them, what nickname would you give us? Not based on looks, based on personality, on character. But I'm sure you'll have some dynamic, interesting conversations over the dinner table. Barnabas doesn't appear very much in the New Testament. He's not a sort of major player like Paul or Peter, James or Timothy, but he appears quite frequently in the book of Acts. He also appears in the book of 1 Corinthians, where he's mentioned favourably, and he's uh, mentioned in the book of Galatians, where he's not mentioned favourably. So it's a bit of a mixed bag when he comes out of the book of Acts. We find that much grace was on the early church, and Barnabas sells a piece of property. Maybe the property was in Cyprus, Maybe he had to go back to Cyprus to sell it, but he brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. It's a very modest beginning. You know, Barnabas, he he doesn't first appear because he sees lots of sick people healed, or because he preaches an amazing sermon, like Peter may have done, or even for some great apostolic gift. Actually, he, he first appears because he's an encourager, and because he sells some property that many people in the church were doing, and he places the money at the apostles' feet feet. Very, very modest beginnings. I think Luke deliberately introduces Barnabas here and in that way because he wants to show how Barnabas develops. And if, if you, as we follow the story over the coming weeks, you're going to see that God uses him in a much more public role later on. 
Actually, apostolic gifting appears within him. But actually, it starts very modestly. He's a man that is faithful in what God gives him to do. He's someone who is following Christ and obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And I think for all of us, whatever setting we're in, that's not a bad place to start the year, is it? Be a people that are following Christ and obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit. As Nigel said in his last preach, we're a charismatic people. We believe that the Holy Spirit talks to us, prompts us, empowers us today. Let's be a people that start the year in that way. In Acts chapter 6, so it's a little bit later in the story, where the apostles um, are looking for deacons. They're looking for men of stature who can carry weight for them. It's interesting to notice that Barnabas isn't mentioned there. Barnabas is sort of overlooked, I guess, for that. He may have been doing other things, but he isn't mentioned to help with the distribution of food to the widows. The next time we see Barnabas mentioned is in Acts chapter 9. Does any of you know what would happen in Acts chapter 9? Anyone want to shout it out? Good guess? Not right? Very good. Someone said Saul's conversion. He's actually next mentioned because he makes an introduction. He is next mentioned because he introduces Saul, or Paul, to the church leaders in Jerusalem. You see, Paul had been persecuting the church. He has this dynamic, um, wonderful conversion story, but no one in the church in Jerusalem actually believes he's saved. They just think that he's saying he's saved to get close. Barnabas goes out on a limb chats with Paul and introduces him to the church leader. So it's just a very modest beginning that Barnabas makes. Next week I'll be preaching. We're going to look at um, Acts chapter 11. We're going to be looking a little bit more at the story as it unfolds. But I just wanted to sort of state the first three instances where um, Barnabas is mentioned. Particularly, like I say, to communicate, I believe he was just a faithful man. Did what God gave him to do. We're now going to just move on, and I want to look at the, the whole subject of encouragement. And as I was thinking about this, I, I thought probably some of the best decisions I've made in life have been when I've been encouraged by others to do them. I don't know about you, you have a think back. Some of the big decisions that you've made, the best ones, are they decisions that are often on the back of encouragement, on an urging from someone? On someone maybe pushing you into it. I remember once I went to my dad, um, and I was at college at the time, so we were looking at it quite a long time ago, and um, I said to him, I was working at Safeways or Morrison's at the time, and I was in, I don't know, in, in college, and I, I said to him, I want to quit college and I want to go and work at Safeways. I was doing a building study thing. I, didn't, I don't want to do, I don't want to do buildings. I've got to do homework and stuff. I want to quit. I want to earn some cash. Uh, you know, and I, I, they, they offer careers as well at Safeways. I could go and do that. I remember my dad saying to me, encouraged me, don't do that. Stick it out until the end of term, and at the end of term we'll talk again and see how happens. And I think very quickly I decided that actually I didn't want to work at Safeways. Actually, I'd finished my college. And I know for me that was a good decision. I was encouraged to make the right decision. I was encouraged to take the right path. I remember going before I went and spent a year in India... It was one of the elders of the church who called me, and I'd been talking, you know, I guess like young people can do, you know, talk about all the things you want to do. One thing is, I, want, I feel called to India. 
And I remember he called to see me and he said, Paul, you feel called to India. How are we going to get you out there? Let me encourage you to go. Hmm. I, you know, I won't ask why he encouraged me to go, but, but he did. And I came back anyway, so it didn't work. But, but I, rem- I remember, and that's a significant year in my life. I'm sure for many of you, if you look back on big decisions that you've made, it's because you received good encouragement, because you were urged on, because you were strengthened to make the right decision. Some of the worst decisions that I've made is when I've gone off and done my own thing in my own way. And so I think this is a very important subject, and it's something that is central within church. This word encourage that's mentioned in Acts chapter 4 is mentioned over a hundred times in the New Testament. Now, when it was originally written in the Greek, and I don't know anything about Greek, but when it was originally written in the Greek, there wasn't just one English word that you could use um, that would sum it up. So, if you read through your Bible, different words are used, but they they have the sense of this original Greek word. Encourage is one of the words. To give courage to, to urge, to advise, to stimulate through help, to promote, to assist, to encourage. That's a sense of what encourage means. Another word, and it appears more frequently in the New Testament, is urge. I urge you. That's the same as the encourage. And this is, this is what the English Oxford Dictionary says about to urge. It is to drive forcibly forward. To impel. Not impale, to impel. Cause to proceed with effort, to hasten, urge and urgent. Another word that, 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 that gives a sense of this original in, in the Greek is to comfort. So encourage, to urge, to comfort. They all, as it were, have a, a, a side of this original word. To comfort. To bring consolation, comfort for, in grief or anxiety. And the last, the last word in the English that would reflect something of it is to appeal. Make request. To make earnest Request. So as I've been mulling these different words over and thinking about what they mean, what, what it brings to me is there's a sense of strength, a sense of mission, direction, a desire to bring about change. Because so, I, I don't know uh, for, for you, but sometimes when I think about the word encouragement, I can get it a bit mixed up with niceness. People who are just nice to me, they're encouragers because they say nice things to me. I don't think that's quite what it means within the New Testament. I think niceness hopefully is wrapped up in there. We don't all want to be nasty encouragers. But I think it's not just being nice. There's something more than that. An urging on. Barnabas was a man that urged. He encouraged. He gave courage to people. Barnabas was a man that came alongside And again, this isn't my original thoughts, this is just sort of reading concordances and Bible dictionaries. The Bible dictionary says there's a sense within this word of coming alongside. So an encourager is one who comes alongside. He comes alongside to help you. Come on, you can do it. You can make it to the end. You know, when you watch um, maybe the London Marathon, and you know those last three or four miles, so I hear, are a bit of a killer. And you get people coming alongside those who are really strong. You can do it. Come on, I'm not, I'm, I'm not just saying they're there to you. Have a lay down, I'll get you a sofa, don't worry. No, you can finish this race. You can do it. Let me encourage you to keep going. I'm urging you on. I will compel you to finish this race. Let me encourage you. There is this sense within there. 
Barnabas was a man who came alongside and gave strength. He gave courage. He assisted. I was trying to think of what would be a good example of an encourager. And I, the, the, the one I came up with, and hopefully you'll find this uh, helpful, is of a sergeant major. Have any of you seen these army, army obstacle courses? You know, we have to swing over the monkey bars and climb over the wall and go across the beam and not fall into... And you, and you see these blokes, and I don't know how they get there. They don't do it, they just encourage. You can do it. You can get over that wall. You can make it. And I think in some ways that whole idea of a, of a sergeant major encouraging on, training, pushing on, isn't a bad picture for us to have in mind. Because when it comes to the fight, when it comes to the battle, you want to know you've got people like that who can push you on. You don't want people who say, oh, actually that wall might be a bit high for you. Go round the edge. Because when you're in a fight, it doesn't really matter if you go round the edge, does it? No, you, you need people who you can trust, who are for you, who will say, down, when the army bullets are coming over. No, we've got to get over that. Well, you've done it. I've trained you. You can do it. And I think there's that sense there that we pick up. There is a comfort to it. There is a strengthening in times of grief. That is definitely an aspect of it. There's a sense of urgency, too. So that's, that's a sense, in a, for, for me, of what this whole encourage means from the New Testament. Let me just highlight to you some of the settings where encouragement is seen. And the first one is in the setting of suffering. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. I'm aware as a church at the moment we've got a number of you are facing real difficulties and a number of you are suffering, finding life really tough at the moment. My prayer is, my hope is that I'll be able to encourage you today. I want to strengthen you today. I want to comfort you at this season that you're going through. And the Bible says that we will all go through these seasons, Matt spoke on it out of Habakkuk last week. I wonder if God just does want to speak again to us out of this. This whole area at the moment, the season we're in. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. Every time you see the word comfort in this, it's the same word as it's encourage in Acts chapter 4. Or urge. It's that same word. It's a different facet of the same word. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, the God of all encouragement, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, Christ suffered for us. So also, through Christ, our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, and he's talking about himself and his own situations, Paul is, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope 
for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. The Bible is very real that we do experience times of suffering. But we also have a God of all comfort. We have a God of all encouragement. Who is at hand? Do you you remember what I said just a few minutes ago? I said in that whole sense of encouragement, there's that sense of coming alongside. If you're suffering at the moment, I want to say that we worship a God who comes alongside to comfort and to bring strength. He's not far away. He comes alongside. He is able to come alongside and meet our needs and strengthen us in times of difficulty. The English Standard Version um, Study Bible says this, One of God's purposes in the suffering of Christians is that they would experience direct, personal comfort from God. You can experience direct, personal comfort from God. He's available, he's close at hand. This is our hope. What Claire sang so beautifully about, he is risen. He's not dead in the grave. He is alive from the dead and he is available. He's one who's familiar with suffering and yet overcame. And he says, I come close to you to strengthen. One of God's purposes in the sufferings of Christians is that they would experience direct personal comfort from God and then from that experience be able to minister God's comfort to others. It's not a comfort that just meets our needs. Actually, it's a comfort that can overflow to meet the needs of others. As we receive direct personal comfort, encouragement from God, there is grace enough to overflow to strengthen others. This is the God that we worship. This is the God that we come to. Lord, I thank you that you are the God of all comfort. Lord, I pray for those that we love, who are dear to us at the moment and who are suffering. I pray that you would come in comfort and in power and you would meet their needs directly. I pray for those who aren't able to be here today. Lord, I pray even where they're at in the moment, whether it's in a hospital bed or, or elsewhere, I pray for your comfort and your strengthening at this time. We thank you, Lord, that we, you are the God of all comfort. And we ask you, would you come and move in power right now? Come and move in power right now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we find another suffering for comfort or encouragement is in people's suffering. I'm going to miss a few out just because of time. But I'll highlight a couple. We find that Paul encouraged various churches to give generously. So another setting where encouragement is used is in the whole setting of money. And he says, give generously. Actually, one church that he was serving encouraged Paul to say, can we, appeal to Paul and said, can we be involved in giving generously? So it didn't come from Paul, it came from them. Lord, we, we appeal to you, Paul, can we get involved in giving generously? So we find in suffering, in giving generously, in being zealous for the church as well. That is another setting where, we can, that, where encouragement is seen within the Bible. 
we find that Paul was greatly encouraged when people truly repented. In another section of 2 Corinthians, where, where, where a man who was caught in, in, in gross sin, and he, he comes back with true and real repentance, although there was a lot of hurt and pain, Paul was greatly encouraged because of what happened. Paul was encouraged by the way they came back with such earnestness and desire to give first place to God. We find in 2 Corinthians 8, 8 verse 17, and I'd, I'd, if you've got a pen, write that down. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 17. We find that Paul encourages Timothy to serve. He appeals, he urges Timothy to serve. Let me read this to you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, or our encouragement, or our urging, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. It seems that Paul asked Timothy to go to Corinth to serve the church. And, and we find he encouraged him. Come on, come on, Titus, you can do it. You can go. I appeal to you. I urge you to go. And, and it's wonderful when you read, when you read Titus's response. It's not, don't even like the Corinthians. Well, I better go. It's on my job description. I suppose that's what Christians do. Let, let, let me, let me uh, highlight to you. How did he respond? He responded with much enthusiasm and with initiative. What a great way to respond when you're serving. With much enthusiasm and initiative. No, I'm not just going to do the tick boxes, I'm not going to do the minimum required. No, I'm going to serve God with much enthusiasm and with my own initiative. Let me encourage you to follow Titus's example. So there's some of the settings where we see encouragement. Let me ask another question. What is the destination of encouragement? Where should encouragement lead? Because I guess the sergeant major may have a different destination to his encouragement to, say, um, the football manager, who wants to encourage his players to play well. I guess the sergeant major is looking that his soldiers don't get blown up in the war, whereas the football manager may be uh, looking that his players score a couple of goals. What is the destination for our encouragement? Well, if we encourage people, what is it we're looking to achieve? Salvation? Definitely, I think that's a very good answer. We find in Acts chapter 11, Barnabas, 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 Barnabas's destination for encouragement is, and I've forgotten, is that they remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. In Acts chapter 11, and we're going to read this next week, but in Acts chapter 11, when Barnabas gets to Antioch, it says this, when he arrived and he saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and he encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And I think as a church, as Christians, when we encourage people, we should be pointing them towards Jesus Christ. That's, where, that's a destination. That's where we're heading with our encouragement. Sometimes when I'm chatting with people, I don't know, I, 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 can, get, I can get waylaid. You know, and it's not a bad thing, I guess. I can talk about maybe, talk about people's finances. 
or discussing their, their different problems that people may face. Or, or maybe even looking and chatting with them, or maybe when the financial climate changes, things will get a little bit better. And none of those things are bad things, but first and foremost, we must be those that point people towards Jesus Christ. Whether it's towards salvation in the first instance, or actually after they're saved, that's still where we point people. Let us be a church that encourages people to remain true to Christ with all their heart. When they're flagging, when they're facing obstacles, when there's difficulties that they're facing, ultimately, the best we have, and it is very, very good, is Jesus Christ. Let us point, as Barnabas did, let us point people towards him. The one who came alongside us. The one who died in our place. He's the ultimate encouragement anyway, Jesus, isn't he? He came alongside. He carries our sin and our burden. He died on the cross for our sin. He rose again, as we heard in that wonderful song, and he's now reigning. And because of that, we've got new life. That's the one we point to, Jesus Christ. He's the one that we come to. The author and perfecter of our faith. He's the one, Jesus Christ. And so let me encourage you, church. I want you to encourage you, which is good because it's what we're talking about, to follow Christ. Give your best to him. Remain true to him with all your heart. So just over the last few moments, we've looked at various different things to do with encouragement. We've looked at what encouragement is, that it isn't just being nice. It's got teeth. It's got some strength to it. We've looked at what encouragement is. We've looked at what the destination of encouragement is. We've looked at some of the settings where encouragement is used to do with money, to do with suffering, to do with serving, to be zealous for the church. We've looked at some of those things. Lastly, or no, it's not lastly, I've just lied. But, but I'm getting towards the end. I want to look at what are the sources of encouragement. What, where, where, where do we find encouragement? And the first place that we find encouragement is... Anyone want to shout it out? Bible. That was pretty good from this side of the auditorium. Let me encourage you, you were pretty lousy this side. Okay? So, what, was it, what did I ask? Oh, what's the source that we can find encouragement? What is it? And this side? Good. I mean, you, everyone here should really still be sort of a, on, on sort of the, the hangover from pantomimes. You should be pretty good at this. This interaction sort of stuff. The Bible, you are right. The Bible is the prime source where we are encouraged. We need to know the Bible, don't we, saints? Are you convinced that it's essential that you know the Bible? Oh, no, no, I didn't ask for a verbal response. His hands then. You've got to be quick here. Do you agree? Yes, it's good. We, we must know. We must know the Bible. 1 Timothy 4.13, Acts 15.31, Romans 15.4, all mention about the Scriptures encouraging us, being an encouragement to us. So if you want to be an encourager, the first thing you need to know is this. I've got a confession to make. You up for hearing my confession? Okay. I've never read the Bible through in a, in, in a whole year. No. Oh dear, this is hard work this morning. 
I've never been able to read the Bible for in a year. For anyone who's proud here, put your hand up if you have. There's a few of you, well done. Excellent. Excellent, that's very, very good. I've not. So this year, I've thought, right, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. Now, I know this is very dangerous, because I've now got 300 people to hold me accountable. But the reason I say it is the plan that I'm following is out the back of the English Standard Version Study Bible that 70 of you purchased because it was a good deal. And I want to encourage some of you to say, we say the Bible's very important, don't we? We always give a good time to preaching it on a Sunday morning. If I asked any of you who've been around for any time, is the Bible important to you? You would say yes. But I know, and it's, it's true for me as well, sometimes our lifestyles don't match up with our talking. And we don't prioritise the things that we say are important. And so I just want to put a bit of an encouragement out to you and say, how about some of you who have not ever read the Bible in a year take on the challenge? I don't want you to become all heavy and flattened down if by next Sunday you're six, six days behind. But hey, why don't, we, why don't you aim at something? See how you get on. English Standard Version Study Bible, at the back there is a very good plan. Matt is very happy to hold you accountable. But why not? Why not consider it? We say it's important. Let's get the word of God into us. Let's make sure we're reading it regularly and growing in the word of God. What's, a, what's another source of encouragement? Who can shout something else out? Very good too. Right? Example and one another is very good. The second example I wanted to come out to, come, uh, second example I wanted to highlight was the witness of the Holy Spirit. It says in Acts chapter 9 verse 31, they were encouraged by the Holy Spirit. They were encouraged. The early church was encouraged by the Holy Spirit. In John 14, John 15 and John 16, where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit being sent to us, he calls him the comforter, the encourager, the urger honour. Good English I use. But it's all linked, it's all in the same word. It's from the same family of words that Barnabas, the Holy Spirit. We find that what does prophecy meant to do? As we prophesy, it's meant to encourage. So as we prophesy by the Spirit, it brings an encouragement to the church. We find in Romans um, chapter 12, verse 8, there is a gift of encouragement. And so the witness of the Holy Spirit brings encouragement. We're charismatic people. We should expect the Holy Spirit to encourage us. The third one, third one I came up with was the church. Another source of encouragement is one another. And someone here said example. That's a brilliant one. I don't think there's anything that quite encourages me as much as someone's example. Whether it's reading a really good biography and you read about a Hudson Taylor or you're reading about something that someone's done, or whether it's you're just chatting with someone and they're talking about their life and they talk about what they're doing in God and you think, oh, wow, that is encouragement. Sorry, that is encouraging. That is helpful. We, we all have a massive part to play in building one another up and strengthening 
The word of God, yes. The witness of the Holy Spirit, yes. But one another. And our words can be a great encouragement, but our lifestyles and our lives can be an even greater encouragement. I don't think, if I'm honest, there's anything more discouraging than seeing someone that has followed Jesus falling away. I don't think there's anything that that I find harder to handle than that, but I don't find anything as encouraging as people who are going on leaps and bounds with their walk with God. Because the reality of it is, is you're not an island. How you live affects those around you because people love you. You may wonder, you may look around thinking, no, people couldn't love me. Well, actually, yes, they do. In this church, we do. We love one another. And how we live our lives has ripples and effects. And it can be for good to strengthen and to build up, or it can be for bad to tear down and shape people in their faith. Let us encourage one another in the words that we say, but also in the lives that we live. There's a little book in the Bible, and it's on page 1200 in my Bible. Problem is, I can't count now. It's just before the book of Hebrews. Called Philemon. 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 That's it. Yeah, that's what I said ish. I said it sort of around there. You know, sometimes God humbles you, doesn't he? (laughs) This this is great, because I think this is talking about encouragement in action. There's only one chapter in it, so maybe it's a good place to start with reading the Bible in a year. It could encourage you. At the end of today, you could have read a whole book of the Bible. Verse 4. Paul is writing this. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. This is just a a practical example in the Bible of how this man's life encouraged Paul. This great apostle, he was encouraged because of um, his great love for the saints. Because he's refreshed the hearts of the saints. Let me say, come on, let's be an encouraging people in our lives. And the last thing I just want to say is this, that we worship a God who is an encourager. I've already said it, so I won't, I won't linger on this point. We worship a God who has come alongside. Who has given his all for us. I'd prepared now just to spend a little bit of time looking into next year because I just wanted to share a little bit about where we're looking to go. But I think because of time and, and just where I feel we're up to, I'm going to do that next week. So we're going to spend just a little bit of time next week looking at what are we looking to do this year? What are we looking to achieve? I want to stay really with this theme of encouragement because I think God wants to minister to us out of it. Can I invite the band back up, please?
at the end of the last year, God was talking to us as a leadership team and talking to the church prophetically about us being an encouraging church. So we're kicking this year off in that vein. And I believe God wants to meet with us this morning and strengthen us. So if I can encourage you to stand on your feet, please. I feel this morning's preach has been a little bit like a fruit bowl. Lots of different things on there, and different things will have spoken to different ones of you. Firstly, I just want to say, if there are people here today and you don't know Jesus, you've been around on the edge, but you know you haven't bought in. You haven't given your all to following him. You're looking. You thought the worship this morning was interesting, but you haven't bought in. Encouragement. True encouragement is only available in Christ. And I want to appeal to you today. I want to urge you, find out more about what it is to follow Jesus Christ. I want to warn you, it will have a profound effect on your life. You won't just be able to go on as you were before because there'll be a new person in charge of your life, Jesus. But I want to appeal, I want to put it out to you and say, today your life could be radically different. You can know one who comes alongside, who strengthens, who can build you up. Whatever obstacles or difficulties you're facing at the moment, What obstacles, difficulties I'm facing at the moment, I have the security of knowing I have one who is greater, batting on my side, fighting in my corner, who's able to help me. And today, if you repent, you turn from your old way of life, that independent life, I think I can do it on my own. If you turn from that, say, Lord, I today decide I want to follow you. I put my trust in you. I'm giving my life to follow you. Today, things can change in a moment. The Bible says you'll be born again. You'll have that fresh start that Anthony was talking about. Some of you, you want a fresh start. Well, the freshest, the best start isn't by a New Year's resolution. It's by giving your life to Christ and being totally changed. This morning is an opportunity for you to do that. And I say, come talk to me. I'd love the opportunity to talk to you more about this wonderful Jesus that we worship. For others of you, for others of you, you're suffering at the moment. Now just if you are, I just want to, just feel at the moment you're facing really big obstacles and you don't know the way through. Just encourage you just to raise your hands. Maybe all of us could do that anyway. I just want to pray. I prayed in, in the meeting, but I want to pray again. Lord, I pray. Lord, your word says... So, Lord, I'm talking to you on the basis of your word that you are the God of all comfort. Lord, your word word says that the whole sense of encouragement is that you come alongside. You come alongside to bring strength. Lord, I pray right now in a very real way for your comfort and your strength. For those who are struggling with ill health, I ask you for your comfort and your strength right now. Lord, for those who have suffered loss and bereavement, I pray for your comfort and your encouragement. 
Lord, I pray for those who are looking at this year thinking, I don't know how I can get through it. I'm not even certain I want to. I pray for your strength and encouragement right now in a way that only you can bring. Lord, I know I can't, but you can do it. Come, Holy Spirit.